Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. I said there's power in the name of Jesus. Amen. Stand with me if you would. Meet me in the book of Nehemiah chapter 1. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 1. Thank you once again, Elder Pastor McGee, Pastor Paul McGee Jr., my great friend to the Mason fan, to my good friend, Brother Daniel Wright. I keep in contact with him as I travel across the country. Great to see him here tonight. Amen. It is just great to be in the presence of the Lord with you. Now, I want to give you a disclaimer uh, as an evangelist, I'm, I'm still learning in, in our five months of evangelizing. I'm still learning, uh, I guess, how to preach like an evangelist. And uh, I know that I'm supposed to um, preach deliverance and Holy Ghost and preach the fire down. And um, I'm not going to be able to do that tonight. I really, really wish I could preach something that would make you shout and dance. And what a time we've had in praise and worship in this place tonight. But the only thing I know to do is to listen to the voice of the Lord. And so uh, I'm not asking for forgiveness, uh, but, but I, I, I come, look, invite me back and I'll preach something that'll make you shout. Yeah, I just plugged that in right there. For some of you tonight will be a history lesson. For some of you tonight will be a life-changing message. Amen? I, I want to, to try to share with something. I can't take credit for this sermon tonight. The sermon that I'm going to preach to you tonight actually was quoted by a New York City tour guide. I'm being very serious. As, as my wife and I uh, toured New York City just a couple of years ago, um, we, we found ourselves in a place, and as this tour guide began to talk to us about what we were seeing, my jaw hit the ground. I looked at my wife. I said, are you hearing this? And I could not get my phone out quick enough and type what I was hearing. And so uh, what I'm going to bring to you tonight uh, will be straight from the mouth of a New York City tour guide. Like I said, for some of us, it'll be just a history lesson, but I hope to try to challenge somebody and uh, encourage somebody tonight through the word of the Lord. Have you found Nehemiah? Nehemiah 1. The words of Nehemiah, I'm going to butcher these up real good. The son of Hakaliah, it come to pass in the month Chislu in the 20th year as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hanani... One of my brethren came and he and certain men of Judah and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broke down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Amen. You may be seated tonight. I want to minister for a few moments on this subject, living in the rubble, living in the rubble. As we read the story uh, at the beginning of Nehemiah, we find Nehemiah in the middle of a very bad day. And in fact, as we read this passage, really the only hopeful word in the entire passage is that word remnant that there was actually still a body of believers there that were surviving in Jerusalem. But there were no walls. The walls were torn down. The gates were burnt with fire. It seemed like a hopeless situation. When I understand that the walls are burned down 
or tore down. I understand that there's no wall for the pastor to stand on where the Bible declares to us that the pastor is the watchman on the wall. If there is no wall, the voice of the pastor has been silent. If there are no gates, then there is no protection. There's nothing to keep the enemy from further coming in and destroying the remnant that is there. It's a bad day in the life of Nehemiah and his friends. Life has a funny way of happening without our permission. We're coasting along. Everything seems to be going well. And then something unexpected can knock you off your feet and utterly crush what you planned for your life. As young teenagers especially, we go to high school and we talk to guidance counselors and we plan our schedules accordingly. We make plans, hopes, and dreams of what our future would look like. We plan on our families, on who we're going to marry and how many kids we're going to have and about the career that will be so illustrious only to find out when we graduate and get that diploma, life meets us, the real world greets us with a hug and a smile and we find out all of a sudden it's not all it really was expecting. I was expecting it to be and then something bad happens or a storm hits and I wasn't expecting it or maybe some some uh, turmoil come into your life and some things start to happen and you can't understand why is this happening. I preached about it a little bit this morning. Life has a way of just crushing hopes and dreams. Not here to criticize or ridicule but if we were to take a poll today I wonder how much the percent would be of people that are doing exactly what they thought they would be doing in high school. We grow up in churches and we have aspirations of ministry. Young men feel the call to preach and and young ladies feel the call to music and, and there's different aspects of ministry. But as we further on in our life and we age, some of those dreams take a back seat. Some of those ministry aspirations take a back seat to family life and certain things that happen and we stumble and we fall and we make a mistake and somehow can't find the way back to the dreams and hopes that we planned as kids. We're living in a rubble, a mess. When opposition happens, it demoralizes us and we find ourselves saddened. And the saddest thing perhaps to see is someone to give up on hopes and dreams crushed by circumstances. Hang with me for a few minutes. In 1959, the Downtown Lower Manhattan Association is created by real estate developer David Rockefeller to revitalize lower Manhattan and he begins to promote the idea of a world trade and finance center in New York City. March 21st, seven years later, construction begins on 1966. On October 1970, the North Tower exceeded the Empire State Building, becoming the largest building in the world. David Rockefeller had a dream. He had a vision. He had some plans. And he didn't just leave them there, but he began to put some action behind it. And he's suddenly starting to see his dreams and his plans come to fruition. In July of 1971, the South Tower is topped off at 1,362 feet, just six feet shorter than the North Tower. 
Then the dream gets a little bit bigger when a large observatory, a Windows of the World restaurant, and a 360-foot spire is placed on the North Tower. And in 1974, a crazy tightrope artist even walked between the buildings. The towers were filled up with tenants, and in 1994, they are named one of the seven modern wonders of the world. What an accomplishment of hopes and dreams of just one man. He saw it in his mind. It started with an idea, and just a few years later, he's seeing some things come to happen. So as it is in our lives as we hope and dream. But that's not the end of the story because we find out this man, David Rockefeller, did not throw this uh, uh, a thing up without any adversity, but he was faced with uh, persecution by business protesters and he's fought by legalities and the dream, it seemed like it was gonna stop, but David Rockefeller said, no, I'm gonna continue, I'm gonna keep fighting, I won't let this detour me. But in February of 1993, February 26, terrorists detonated 1,500 pounds of explosives in a van parked in the underground public parking lot of the World Trade Center, injuring more than a 1,000 people and creating a five-story crater beneath the towers, resulting in hundreds of millions of dollars in damage. The dream fought opposition over and over and over again and was even attacked, but until this point, it remained. I come to preach for just a short moment before I move on to somebody. Don't let opposition detour you. Don't give in and don't quit when you're faced with opposition. That's what will make you stronger if you will allow it. Don't shake off the opposition. Don't shake off the trials. God will do something great with your life if you'll just keep hanging on. Of course, we all know what happened September 11th, 2001. The dream finally collapses. How many times has something similar, not in the physical, but in the spiritual happened in your life? You worked on something so hard. You dreamed big because that's what they told you to do. Put all your time, your money, and your energy invested it in something that you believed in only to see it crushed by some storm, some trial, some, some form of life that came along that you weren't expecting. Maybe for you it wasn't a one-day collapse, but over a period of time you've lost touch with where you wanted God to take you. Praise and worship seems dry. Prayers seem to reach a brass heaven. And we are faced with the reality of living in the rubble of some big dream that we once knew. I want to ask you tonight, church. I'm reaching for somebody tonight, church. What will you do? Will you continue to live in the, in the rubble or will you die in the rubble? The Bible declares to us that Joseph had some big dreams favored of his daddy and favored of God he dreamed big he, sh he began to shoot for the stars and he had big dreams and there were those around him that conspired against him and I talked about it this morning but they threw him in the pit and they made this statement they said we will see what shall become of his dreams I want to ask you ladies and gentlemen something tonight what has become of your dream 
What has become of that passion that once burned down deep inside of you to perform ministry for God and in the kingdom? Where is that passion that once, is there a flicker still there somewhere that I can get a hold of tonight, that I can reignite something inside of you to say, I remember the passion that I had as a young child or as a young man. I want that thing to burn again. I want it to take off until it consumes me tonight. I wonder, is there any life left in the rubble tonight? Woke up this morning in my hotel room. As soon as I popped my eyes open, the Lord spoke to me this very phrase. As he, I didn't hear an audible voice. As the Lord speaks to me, he spoke to me, and he said, tell my people tonight that I am a restorer of broken dreams. I come to minister to somebody tonight. God is a restorer of broken dreams. That thing you thought was dead, that thing you thought had no life, that thing you thought you'd never see again, that dream, that ministry, that hope, those things that you worked so hard for in the past, you thought it was buried, it was dead, but there's life in the rebel tonight. If you just let that thing grow tonight, if you let God re-anoint you tonight, I can see 2016 being a breakout year for somebody in Mount Carmel, Illinois, if you'll see the life that's in the rubble. Jesus said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. There are three resurrections mentioned in the scripture. We find first a man by the name of Jairus whose daughter was dead. And you know these stories found in the book of Matthew chapter nine. Jesus comes on the scene and he declares to Jairus who is trying to get healing for his daughter. He's trying to get to the mat. If I can just get him to come and lay his hands on my little girl, everything's gonna be all right. But he was delayed because another miracle was going on in the process and, and, and that's another message. But how will you respond while you see somebody else receive their miracle and their restoration and while you're standing by, yours seems to die. Please don't give in, don't give up. Jesus looked at Jairus at the end and said, don't worry, she's not dead. She's just asleep. Walked in the house, told the doubters to leave, laid his hand on that little girl and said, arise, and she was resurrected because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. We find in another instance in Luke chapter seven, Jesus is just walking by and a funeral procession is going by. This lady's son has died and they're on the way to bury him. He's been dead and he's in the funeral procession and Jesus stops the funeral procession and says, hang on just one second. I don't think he's dead. Jesus laid his hand on the boy and he rose. Why? Because Jesus doesn't let a funeral procession go by without raising something from the dead because he's the resurrection and the life. And then we all know about Lazarus who was buried and in the tomb for four days. Jesus showed up on the scene and said, just move the stone out of the way. Lazarus, come forth because he's the resurrection and the life. But I want you to notice I want you to notice something very interesting in these three stories. I think God was trying to show us something that he's not detained by time. 
because one had just died, one was about to be buried, and one was long buried so much that he stunk. But Jesus said, it doesn't matter if you just buried your dreams, if you're about to bury your dreams, or you've been dead for a long time. He said, all I gotta do is speak. He's the resurrection and the life. God would speak to this generation tonight to say, I'm the restorer of broken dreams. After the collapse of the towers, only 23 survivors who were in or below the towers escaped from the debris, including 15 rescue workers. The last survivor to be removed alive from the World Trade Center collapse was removed two hours or 27 hours after its collapse. When our dreams collapse, when our hopes are lying in a rubble. They're lying in a rubble of disappointment, in a rubble of fear, doubt, hopelessness, failure, shame, regret, and guilt. I'm preaching to some people tonight that you've been living with those emotions, buried in a rubble of things, reaching for life. Will it live again? Those workers went in there Pastor McGee, and I believe it's the job of the pastor and the saints of God when they see somebody in the rubble to begin to move those stones of regret, to begin to move those stones of failure, to move out those blocks of shame and guilt and to try to create a way of escape for somebody. My God, apostolics are too good at pouring on more stones when somebody's buried. We got to stop. We're supposed to remove the stones. We're not supposed to kick them while they're down. We're supposed to be encouragers of one another. God, give us the apostolic identity that when somebody's fallen, that when somebody's hurting, we'll go to the mark and lift up the stones and say, I'll move the clutter, I'll move the stones, I'll move the rejection, I'll move the fear, I'll move the doubt out of your way so you can live again. I'm wondering, are there any rescue workers in the house tonight? that you've seen the brokenness of, of, your, of your fellow saints, of your family members, and you could say, Brother Mundy, please, please, I want to be one of those that'll go and move the stones so that there can be life found again. We're in New York City. Our tour found us at the World Trade Center Memorial. It's a very solemn place. New York City is a very noisy place. For some reason, you get in there and it's just very peaceful. It's very solemn. We've got the waterfalls to represent where the towers were. We've got a museum that was, it wasn't open then, but it's open now. Some cool stuff you can see. The tour guide, before she let us go free, she pulled us over in a circle and was pointing everything out. She pointed out a tree. She said, that is the survivor's tree. I was immediately intrigued. She began to tell the story of this survivor tree. The towers fell September 11th, and in mid-October, 
over just a little over a month later, the construction crews came in to try to help move the, the rubble and the, and the damage and, and clean it up. Particular afternoon, one of the construction workers discovered a severely burned calorie pear tree in the debris field of the former World Trade Center. Despite devastating damage, the tree retained some leaves. They decided to discard it with the other rubble when Ron Vega, a horticulturist, happened to see the tree and said, don't throw that thing away. There's still life in it. He said, nothing, nothing sprouts leaves in mid-October in New York City unless it's dying and says, I still want to live. I just wonder tonight, is there something sprouting from somebody's spirit tonight that would say, I know I've been through the fire and my hopes and dreams have been crushed, but don't discard me just yet. Don't throw me out just yet. Don't forget about me just yet, Pastor. I want to live. Something town inside of me is crying out. I want to live. Hang with me for a few more moments tonight. She began to tell us about this tree. And I, I was so mesmerized. I, 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 I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And while when she dismissed us and everybody made a mad dash for those fountains to see the names that were inscribed, you'll have to forgive me. I don't want to be disrespectful, but something was drawing me to that tree. I had to get over there. I had to see what this thing was all about. I wanted to talk to somebody else to find out everything I could about this tree because I've seen it in so many lives, people that gave up on hopes and dreams. And if they would just understand, if they'll just let something sprout, just let something say, God I don't want to die I don't want these hopes to die I still believe you can use me I may be old in age I may be further than where I was once before but God there's still something down down in my spirit that says I want to live this, this tree this tree went through four steps that I believe is very practical for us today from surviving or from survival to revival. Four things that happened. The first thing, they took this tree to a nursery and they replanted it. I'm gonna tell somebody tonight, if you're under the sound of my voice and you say, Brother Monday, you're, you're reaching for me, you're ministering to me tonight, I wanna tell you the first thing you've got to do is you've got to get planted. You've got to get so planted in the soil of this church and in the kingdom of God. You've gotta find a place to say, I'm gonna put my roots down again. I'm not gonna be washed away. I'm not gonna be torn apart from a storm. I'm gonna bury my roots. I wanna soak up the nutrients around. God, let me get buried. Let me get planted. Let me get planted in your word. Let me get planted in a church. Let me get planted in your kingdom. God, would you plant me today so that I can be given the proper nutrients so that I can begin to grow again. Just like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. God, let me grow. Let me nourish. Let me prosper. God, as I'm planted, it was nurtured it was taken care of and given proper nutrients. The second thing that happened to that tree was as it was planted, 
the, the proper things are given to it. Nutrients, water, things to help it grow again, things to make sure that it would not decay and rot. They begin to feed it the proper things. You gotta get under the sound of a voice of a pastor and let him feed you the word of God. You've gotta get planted and then you gotta be fed. You gotta be fed proper things. You don't need a diet of things that will be detrimental to your growth. We need to get away from some things. We need to cut some bridges in our, burn some bridges in our life. We need to turn off some things in our life. We need to turn down some distraction in our life. Lord, feed me a healthy diet of something God that would help me prosper and grow. third thing that happened to this tree and probably the most painful was they took it they dug it up and they took it right back to where it fell back to the site of failure back to the site where it was crushed back to the site where it was buried they took this tree and they planted it right back in its original place of destruction and failure. In 1 Samuel, we read a story about Eli's bad day. The Bible said he was 90 and 8 years old and his eyes were dim that he could not see. And the man said unto Eli, I am he that come out of the army. And I fled today out of the army. And he said, what is done there, my son? And he said, Israel has fled before the Philistines and there have been a great slaughter among the people. Your sons are dead. The ark is taken. And when Eli heard that the ark was taken, he fell over and broke his neck and died. It was a bad day in the history of Israel. Not only did they lose their priest, and not only are they fleeing from the enemy, but they have lost the representation of the Spirit of God. It's a bad day in the history and life of Israel. But if you are to fast forward three chapters in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 7, you're going to find something that happened exactly 20 years later in the same location. The Bible said as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and he discomfited them and they were smitten before Israel. And they called the name of it Ebenezer saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. In one situation, everything had went wrong. They lost everything. But 20 years later, at the exact same spot of their failure, the Bible said as Samuel did it the right way and as Samuel made praises and sacrifices unto the Lord that God thundered with the great great thunder and at the very place of their worst failure they they accomplished their greatest victory I'm here to tell you today if you allow God to replant you if you allow God to feed you and grow you can go back to the spot of your failure and God will give you the greatest victory you've ever had like telling somebody tonight if the devil was going to kill you he'd already done it the devil was going to take you out you wouldn't be sitting here tonight some of you in this place God is just wondering is there life in the rubble is there something sprouting inside of your spirit that God can see that he can use and take and conform a passion or reunite a passion back in your life again to use you last thing they did 
it's really not my place to do this. And I'm going to let you take care of it. But I'm just going to make a point here. The last thing they did was they put a fence around that tree. They said, we can't just set it here and just hope that it'll make it. But we got to put some boundaries around it. I'm not going to tell you what those boundaries are. That's that man's job. But let me tell you something. You absolutely need a fence in your life. You need some boundaries in your life. Unless you think I'm just making this up, unless you think I'm crazy, I begin to ask. I said, well, tell me. Tell me more about this tree. And they said there's a lot of legend, a lot of stuff that they're saying not everything's true. They said that it was struck with lightning. I, I couldn't confirm that. But one thing I did confirm, shortly after they planted it back at the World Trade Center site, they put that fence up around it. Hurricane Sandy, I believe it was, began to blow in New York City, destroyed the harbor, and they said the winds began to get so heavy, it about picked that tree up and laid it on its side. And the only thing that held that tree up all night long was the fact that it had a fence around it. You've got to have boundaries in your life. You've got to have a standard in your life. You've got to have some righteousness fenced around you so that when the storms blow, you can stand the storm. trying to help someone. Don't despise the fence in your life. Don't despise the boundaries. The thing that this man steps up here and says, church, I wish you wouldn't go there. I wish you wouldn't watch that. I wish you wouldn't do that. You better not despise the standard and the fence in your life. You need it because when the winds of false doctrine blow, when the storms of life blow, you can lean on that fence and it'll keep you alive. Is anybody sprouting anything in this house tonight? I wonder if you'd stand with me. I don't want to live on I don't want to leave on a negative note, but I want to ask you tonight, what's gonna happen if you don't remove the rubble? The search for survivors did find others who had survived for days under the power pile of rubble. These people were found with life detector listening equipment. And with this equipment, voices could be heard on the surface. The workers would say, if you can hear me, tap on a pipe. And they could hear the metallic types heard, taps heard in response. But a path through the debris could not be reached quick enough. And those people never saw light of day. not come to be negative tonight but I come to tell somebody please I've tried my best to move some debris to move some stones out of your way tonight please don't succumb to the rejection the fear, the doubt, the guilt the shame, the anxiety of what once was you can live again and the reason I know it is I already said it he is the resurrection as they begin to play and sing what they feel tonight. I don't want to give just a general altar call, but I want to open these altars up as every eye is closed and every head is bowed. I just wonder tonight, is there somebody in there? I, I know there is. 
It'll be up to you if you move on it. But I'm very certain what I felt the Lord speak to me this morning when he said, tell my people I am a restorer of broken dreams. I wonder will there be anybody tonight that'll make their way to this altar and say, God, I'm sprouting leaves tonight. I'm lifting my hands. God, I, I don't know what's happened in my life. God, I'm uncertain about the things that have happened in my past, but I'm sprouting life because I want to live. I want something that once burned down in my spirit to be reignited and consume me once again Lord would you consume me tonight God is there not anybody tonight that would be hungry enough for a move of God once again in your life to say I'll come I'll lift my hands God you spoke to me tonight I'm sprouting life tonight come on there's people that are coming even now would you be brave enough to step out walk to this altar and say God I want to live I want to live I want to live God there's some ministries there's some ministries tonight that are dying in a rubble in this house God wants to bring them back tonight God wants to revitalize those ministries tonight there's ministries buried in a rubble sitting on the pews that God wants to take and use to perpetuate revival in the city of Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.